I love this time of year. Anyway, welcome out, folks. My name is Gary Chapel, and uh, I'm one of the elders here at Greater Alton Church. The other two guys are out of town, so I guess I can say whatever I want today. Tim is down in Branson with our campus students on their campus winter retreat. And Alan, is, I believe, is in Chicago for something to do with the Cubs. I'm... I'll let you deal with him on that. Anyway, we are excited to be here, guys. We announced our theme last Sunday night at our celebration. It is Him Here in Me. And our focus for 2015, we would like as a church to spend, to make our focus looking at Jesus, looking at His life, looking at His words, looking at the way He wants us to live, to be real followers of His. And we're very excited about that, guys. I'm excited about just going back to some real basics. Too many times we get caught up in being religious, and we don't really pay attention to what Jesus had to say. We claim to be His followers, and uh, we don't look hard at His very words. And so, guys, that's what we're doing as a church. You want to know what we're all about? That's what we're all about. Tim started a lesson last week, or a series last week, on who do you say I am? And he looked at Matthew 16, where Peter, not where Peter, where Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And then he went on after they'd answered who everybody else was saying he was, he goes, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter replied with that confession that we, we know so well, where he said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And guys, we think it's really important. And uh, the first part of your notes there today, I, uh, I just really, I just copied Tim's, Tim's notes from last week, that first little section, with his initial challenge of how I perceive Jesus matters. And I love the way that he did that, guys, because I believe with all my heart, I'm talking to a group of adults this afternoon, I'm talking to teenagers next week, and I want, one of the things I want to stress with both those groups is exactly what Tim stressed last week. And that is one of personal responsibility. How I perceive Jesus matters. And I just want to let you know, what we do here as a church, whether it's here or in our small groups, can influence that and can impact that. But ultimately, that is an individual responsibility. I mean, we can paint a perfect perception of Jesus for you, and if you reject it, that's on you. Or we can present an imperfect one. And you can't blame us for that. <laughs> I mean, God holds you personally responsible. You can't stand before God, well, I didn't understand that because the church didn't tell me. He's going to say, well, didn't you have the Bible? Didn't you read what I promised when I said, if you seek, you'll find? If you seek to have an accurate perception of Jesus, guess what? He's going to give it to you. And I believe he's going to use the church in some capacity for that, but it may not be 100%. And so, guys, we just want to challenge you right now that your perception of Jesus matters, first off. And then secondly, that it's my responsibility to have an accurate picture of Jesus. It's my responsibility. And, guys, we want you to know that. You know, A.W. Tozer, who is a noted author, he said, what comes into our minds when we think about Christ, is the most important thing about us. You see, guys, 
If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, and I don't care what title you use, disciple, follower of Christ, Christian, you know, what term you use, born again, if you claim to follow Jesus, if you claim that He is your Lord and Savior, what you think of Him matters. The perception that you have matters, and it's up to you to make sure you have an accurate one. And so what we're going to be doing is we're looking at uh, all the different ways, the different names of Jesus that are, uh, that are listed throughout the Bible. Um, Tim, when, Tim, I have one rule that I like to, I rule, uh, request of Tim. Tim is the elder that kind of oversees. He's the guy you normally see up here. And he, uh, he tells me, asks me if I can fill in for him or if I'd like to speak. And, uh, I have one request and that is give me plenty of time so I can think about what I want to say. And so about three weeks ago, he said, hey, I'm going to be gone. I need you to speak. I said, okay, fine. He said, I think we're going to look at the parables of Jesus. I said, oh, that's great. And I had one in mind, and I wanted to speak of it, and I was starting to get juiced. And about a week and a half ago, it changed. And as of last week, I had no idea what I was going to say. You know, who are you going to, what name of Jesus are you going to look at? I don't know. And I'll just be honest with you guys. When you, are, when you grew up going to church your entire life the way I have, and, and you become a follower of Jesus at a, at a fairly young age, um, you tend to look, get familiar with things. And they become, honestly, just words. They become trivia, you know, answers to trivia questions, a Bible trivia. You know, what are the names of Jesus? Oh, Son of God, Son of Man, Lamb of God, you know, Emmanuel, Messiah. You know, you can go through all those, but you don't really... Think about what they mean or the impact that they have on your life. And you see, the truth, the truth of the matter is, guys, God, Jesus is kind of like a mountain. You know, if you want to go describe a mountain, you know, my wife and kids and I went out to Colorado uh, last year, went up, drove up Pikes Peak. Let me be clear, we didn't hike up Pikes Peak. We drove up Pikes Peak and gasped for air when we got there. But you know, when you, when you go to describe a mountain, if you're describing it from the east, you're standing on the east side of it, looking to the west at sunset, you're going to describe it much differently than if you're at the north looking south in the wintertime. Or if you're on top of it looking down, or if you're at the bottom looking up, or if you're halfway up looking over the edge of the road at the sheer drop-off. There's a million ways to be in literal awe of a mountain. But there's no one way that you can describe it. You might say, massive. That doesn't do it. That doesn't do it. You've got to look at it from every angle. You've got to see it from every aspect. And can I tell you, it's the same way with Jesus. That's why there's no one way to describe Him. Is Jesus our Savior? You bet He is. That's what we just remembered is death. He, he forgave our sins. No matter how long your list is, He, is forgiven, he, will, he offers forgiveness to you if you ha- haven't already accepted that. Is He Lord? You better believe it. Is He a shepherd that cares for us? You know it. Is He my brother that walks beside me? Absolutely. And so guys, it's important that you look at all these different ways that Jesus is described. And today what we want to look at is that He is described as the King of Kings. And I've entitled this lesson, 
Am I bowing to the king? Or bowing to the king? Question mark. Because just because he's king doesn't mean you're bowing to him. You know what I'm saying? That's not. We need to recognize that. And if we don't accept him as king, it's you can accept him as savior and not accept him as king. Do you know that? Wow! Great forgiveness. Woohoo! Great. Take care of me. What do you mean? Do the hard stuff. What do you mean? Love my enemies. What do you mean? Forgive people that have hurt me. See that? That's where lordship and kingship come in. You know what I'm saying? And so, guys, that's what we want to look at today. And uh, it, it's very interesting. Uh, I'm sure most of us have heard Jesus described as the King of Kings. I've heard that many times. I was shocked when I went to look up the term King of Kings in the Bible. I thought that that was a term that was used around his birth. Anybody else think that? Had that thought? You know, haven't we sang songs at Christmas time about King of Kings? In my mind, we had. It's, he's not called that around the time of his birth. Not in any of the accounts I read anyway. The, the phrase King of Kings is used a grand total of six times in the Bible. One of them here is in Revelation chapter 17 and verse 14. And it says, They will wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will triumph over them because He is the Lord of lords and King of kings. And with Him will be His called, chosen, and faithful followers. See guys, there's six times this phrase is used. Twice is in the book of Revelation in reference to Jesus. In 1 Timothy 6, it's in reference to God. And there are three times in the Old Testament, it's in reference to a human king. Believe it or not. I mean, God is saying in the book of Daniel, where Daniel acknowledges that King Nebuchadnezzar is the king of kings. At that time, as far as earthly kings were concerned, Nebuchadnezzar had it going on. I mean, he was it. He conquered Every nation that was known at the time, uh, was in the civilized world, that was in that part of the world, he did it. And if you'd opposed him, he crushed you like the cockroach that he thought you were. I mean, that's just the way it, it was. Daniel's acknowledging, King, you do what you want. He's telling Nebuchadnezzar, you do what you want. God's people, the nation of Israel, he stomped them out three different times. He stomped them out once, and then they choose to rebel. And he stomps them out again, and they rebel again, and then he just flat crushes them, destroys the temple, takes all the possessions from the temple off to his country. He was kind of nice before then. But you've got to understand, guys, he, he was it for a human king. You see, guys, but Jesus is described as the King of Kings for all time. And what's what we want to look at today and what we want to talk about. Guys, what, and when, you, when you talk about a king, what does this mean, Jesus is the King of Kings? Well, the first thing it means is that Jesus is the King with ultimate authority. He has all authority. That's what it says in Matthew 28 and verse 18. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In Colossians 2.10 it says he is the head over every power and authority. 
See, guys, he is, and you know, he is giving, giving it all. Now, you need to understand something. Jesus is not the kind of king like Nebuchadnezzar. Kim, Nebuchadnezzar went and conquered people. He went and conquered nations. If a nation didn't want to be under his control, it didn't matter. He marched in, defeated them, killed who he wanted to kill, enslaved who he wanted to enslave, and said, you're now under my authority. And he placed governors and rulers in that nation, in that city, whatever it may be, and they had to do what that king said. Jesus isn't that type of a king. It does say the time will come when every knee will bow. That time has not come yet. He has all authority. He has all power. The question is, do you want him as your king? And so you, you need to understand that when he says he has all authority, he can do whatever he wants, but he does not exercise it the way an earthly king would. Guys, earthly kings, they are concerned about opposing kings. Nebuchadnezzar was concerned when the nation of Israel, who was under his control, rebelled. And they, they put another king in place. He was concerned about that, so he squashed them. Jesus isn't concerned with who's in power today. Do you know that? I mean, not like that. Jesus is concerned with one king that's going to oppose him. You know who that one king is that he's concerned about? Me. And you all should say that too. Me. <laughs> okay? He's concerned about us being the king of our lives individually and opposing him like that. Because you guys see, here's the thing. You know, when we think of kings today, I don't know what, what you think of. I don't, I don't think of, you know, the king of England doesn't have any power, right? The queen, whatever, it's, a, it's kind of just a figurehead thing, a ceremonial thing. There are nations that have kings, you don't hear much about them. You know, what we hear more about today of, that would probably be a parallel to a king is a dictator. We hear about Hitler. We hear about Saddam Hussein. We hear about where they take and they say, we're going to do what we want and we're going to rule over people. And you can't rebel against them. Guys, Jesus doesn't rule like that. See, dictators, they oppress their people, don't they? Jesus is for our good. And guys, that's the next thing I want to look at here is that Jesus exercised his authority for my good. He's been given all authority, but we need to understand that his authority is here for my good. Look at these passages here in Matthew 5 and Mark, I mean Matthew 9 and Mark 10. This is what it says. It says, "But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins." So he said to the paralyzed man, "Get up, Take your mat and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and they praised God who had given such authority to man. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What do you notice about this king of ours? What do you notice that he's doing with his authority and with his power? 
You know, guys, he's not shooting lightning bolts at people that disagree with him. He's not striking them dead and slapping them upside the back of the head saying, get with the program. That's not what he does. Guys, our God is not a king that says, get with the program. Our God is a king that woos us to him. He says, would you, would you look at me? Come on. He said, that's why he said my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, look guys, I'm not going to oppress you. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to heal you. I'm here to forgive you all of your sins. That's what I have the authority to do. And I'm not doing that just as a blanket, you know, so you can have a blank check and go do what you want. I'm doing it so that you can see that I am for you and I know what's best for you and it is in your best interest to allow me to be the king of your life. Guys, that's what Jesus, that's the type of king that he is. And so guys, all I want to do today is I want to look at four or five questions that about Jesus' kingship that we really need to ask ourselves and we need to look at. And the first one is, have I accepted Jesus as king of my life? Have I accepted Jesus as king of my life? Now guys, when we say that, there's two aspects to Jesus as king of my life. The first one, most of us in here, I believe, have, have already accepted. We can say, yes, I've accepted. That's when you accept His offer of salvation, His offer of forgiveness of sins. You accept Him as your Lord and Savior, and you sign up, so to speak, and say, Jesus, I trust You, and I want You to be the Lord of my life. I accept Your Lordship. That's the first aspect of it. You know what the second aspect of it is? The second aspect of him is am I continuing to allow him to be the Lord and King of my life? You see, look at this passage here in Colossians chapter 2, in verse 6. This is what it says. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. What's he saying? Just as you received, just as you started, just as you began Jesus, with Jesus as Lord, keep it going. Now why does he tell them to keep it going? It's very simple. It's not a once for all decision. Once I've made the decision, I'm done. It's over. And guys, the truth of the matter is, and you'll see this here in Mark chapter 4, in this passage we'll read here in just a second, in Mark chapter 4, it's, the, it's the, Jesus is explaining the parable of the soils. And he's talking about how different people receive or accept his word. And Mark chapter, and the, the, one of the soils is called the rocky soil or the shallow soil. And what Jesus has to say about them is they receive the word with joy. They, they gladly accept it. They gladly accept him as king is what that means. And then this is what it says in verse 17 of Mark 4. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution come because of the Word, they quickly fall away. 
See, guys, what happens is it's easy to say, Jesus, Lord, woohoo, I'm a king. Jesus, you're my king. You're the man. You're the king. I, I bow to you. Awesome. This is a little rough. This ain't what I had in mind, Jesus. You're supposed to be the king. I'm not supposed to have to do hard things. It says when trouble came. Uh, and, and this story is told in, in both Matthew and Luke also. And it said when trials or temptations come, specifically because of the Word. Okay, that's because of Jesus. That's because of His words and what He has to say. They quickly fall away. Now, can I tell you that traditionally when we've used this word fall away in churches, you know what that means? Somebody quits going to church. Can I tell you it's possible to fall away from following Jesus and keep going to church? You see, guys, that's why I asked the question if I accepted Jesus as, as, as king. And I guess I'm saying is, do you continue to accept him as king? And we'll get into it just in a few minutes about oh, what does that look like and how do I tell. But guys, you've got to ask yourself the question. The second question that I want to ask is, do I confess this with my mouth? What's that mean, do I confess this with my mouth? Well, there's a passage of Scripture that we tend to overlook in Romans chapter 10. In this passage, we typically, in years gone by, when we've looked at this passage, we've talked about what it doesn't mean, which is all right, unless you don't look at what it does mean. And guys, this is a passage, let's read it here in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. It says, if you declare with your mouth... Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Guys, three little words, if you want to circle them, you want to underline them, you want to just remember them. With my mouth. You see, guys, this is used to mean a couple different things. I mean, one of them, I think, and it's used very accurately, is that when a person decides they want to become a Christian and they're submitting to Jesus in baptism, they're obeying what he says, and we ask them, what do you believe about Jesus? They, they'll say, Jesus is Lord. And that, that is an accurate use of this. And I believe that that is a wonderful time to acknowledge Jesus is Lord with your mouth. My question is, is that all this verse is talking about? Is that saying the only time you need to acknowledge Jesus as Lord is when you get baptized? Or when you first become a Christian? Now let me ask you a question. When is the last time you have verbally said, Jesus is the Lord of my life? Now I understand that you can live that way without saying it, but it's saying here we need to make a confession. We need to say it with our mouths. And guys, I want to I ask you, what it, when is the last time you said it? Jesus, your Lord. Maybe not even, maybe you don't have to, you don't have to stand up here and make a confession to everybody else. You know, you don't have to write it on your communication card. You can do all those things. But my question is, how often do you say those words? Even if you're just praying. 
Even if you're just reminding yourself when you're going through a difficult time, Jesus is Lord. You see, guys, I think there's something very significant about that. And I can tell you in my struggles in life, when things are the roughest, I have to remind myself, Jesus, you're the king. I want to do what you say. I don't want to do what I want. Right now I'm struggling with that, Jesus, but you're the king, and at the end of the day, I want to do what you say. That is my heart. That is where my mind is fixed on. I might not do it today, but tomorrow when I get up, I want to say the same thing. See, guys, that needs to be something that we talk about. That needs to be something that we say. If you're not saying it, I'm thinking there's a good chance you might not be conscious of it. That's all. You know, even in the wisdom of our world, this is common knowledge, our common knowledge. Um, if you've ever been to a, a, a seminar on, on uh, positive mental attitude, all right, Zig Ziglar. When I was a kid, my daddy listened to Zig Ziglar, and he put tapes in my hand, and I listened to Zig Ziglar. And one of the things about Zig Ziglar that he say is, you know, when you set a goal, one of the most important steps to achieving that goal is announcing that goal that you are far more likely to achieve it if you tell people about it. I'm going to run a marathon next year. That's not me. I'm just using it as an example. Okay? You're declaring it. You're more like, why? Because people are holding you to it. You don't want to look bad. You don't want to look whatever. But there's significance to it. Guys, I believe that's what God's saying here. You need to remind yourself of this. Jesus is Lord of my life. And my question is... How much do you say that? How much do you hear it? How much do you hear it? With those that are closest to you, okay, and you talk with when they're having a hard time, how much do you remind them or they remind you that, look, Jesus is Lord. Remember that Jesus is Lord. Remember Jesus is King of Kings. You've chosen Him to be your King. Why is it significant, guys? I think it just shows where we're at. I um, Two weeks from now, my wife and I are going to Detroit, Michigan, uh, where I'm going to meet a man that I have known for nearly seven years. I'm going to meet him for the first time. We, have, uh, we did business over the phone. He had a company that did my, my business's uh, web page. Um, very quickly, we learned that we were both followers of Jesus both very serious about following Jesus. We became friends. He no longer works for that company. We talk on the phone three to four times a year. Uh, his wife contacted me uh, a couple weeks ago, text messaged me out of the blue. I couldn't have told you her first name till two weeks ago. Um, but Michelle contacted me, told me who she was, so, uh, said, I'm uh, planning a 50th birthday party for him, a surprise for Russ. Can you go? Well, we, we'd love for you to make it up. Russ speaks of you often. He, we, we, he wants to meet you someday. Um, I know it's a long shot. Can you make it up? Well, we check things out. Yeah, we can make it up. We're going up. Guys, in the course of the conversation, there were, there were uh, several things that, that I was just was shocked at. And you see, guys, one of, one of the things I love about my friendship with Russ is that I've had to learn to accept that there are Christians outside of Greater Alton Church. <laughs> Okay? And what you learn when you, when you accept that is you learn stuff. I mean, the, 
People have different ways of talking, different ways of seeing things. And that's the friendship that we have. He gets something from me that he doesn't get from, from, from the fellowship he's in there, and I get something from him. And what I got from him recently, I, you know, his wife was text messaging me, and I'm telling you, yeah, we might be able to make it up. She goes, look, if you're, it's you by yourself, we can, we can, uh, you can stay with the family that's having the party, or you're, you and Susan can, they're empty nesters. And she, this is the way she put it, they're amazing followers of Jesus. I'm like, wow, when is the last time I've described my friend as an amazing follower of Jesus? Another time she was talking about, hey, Bernie's going to pick you up for the party. Here's his cell phone number. It's one of Russ's best friends. Um, He shares our deep love for the Savior. I'm like, wow, that that is just so cool. And then this this is it. This is the one that really just got me in the... In your, you know, you can have what I call it a tag on your email. You know, there's something, a little message that pops up every time you send an email. You know, it may just be your name, so you don't have to type it, or maybe a little saying, or maybe a title. Mine, I've got is ordinary average guy, because I'm nothing special, and I want to be reminded of that. This is what his, this is what Michelle's was. I got an email from her, and, and this is what the tag is: consciously attempting to give him glory while trusting in his capabilities daily. And then it says Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. And I'm just like, I'm just blown away because I'm like, I don't talk like that enough. We, the people that I'm closest to, don't talk like that enough. Guys, we need to be acknowledging the King we serve. We need to be acknowledging it with our mouths. And so, guys, I just ask the question, do you confess it with your mouth? Out loud. There you go. Let's move on to the next question. Next question. Do I regularly yield my will to Jesus's? Do I regularly yield my will to Jesus's? You see, guys, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where you've got to get real honest with yourself. You see, because it's one thing to say with your mouth, Jesus is king, and it's entirely another to put his words into action as they apply in your life. And so, guys, I'm asking you the question. You look at the passage there on the, in, in your notes from Luke chapter 9. And this is what it says. It says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. You see, guys, that word daily there, I wish wasn't in there. I wish I could just kind of fix my mind once, make a decision once, and everything just kind of flows. But he's saying that I've got to deny myself and take up my cross daily. And my question is, 
Are you doing that? And I guess my question really is, are you conscious of what you're doing, to, of, of what has to be done to do that? Okay? And what I mean is this. And this is, guys, this is the second question that's down there, kind of a sub-question. Do I never recognize when my will is opposed to Jesus' will? You see, I believe, guys, that's the challenge. If you're not recognizing when your will is opposed to Jesus's, you're probably not yielding your will to Jesus's. Okay? Because I believe that's what has to happen. You, have, you, you need to recognize it. It's a conscious choice. Otherwise, you're just going to do what comes naturally. And I don't know about you, but what comes naturally to me ain't what Jesus wants. It's not. So guys, what can you point to? What can you point to? Well, what do you mean by that, Gary? What do you point to? Well, let me just give you some examples. Some of you may be having a problem at your job right now. You may not like your job. Okay? Beyond the fact that it's work, alright? There's other reasons not to like the job. It may be that your boss treats you unfairly and treats you unkindly. And it may be that your boss uh, doesn't recognize the good things that you do. And it may be that your coworkers are crude and rude and disgusting and you have to be around them all the time. And you think, Jesus, please give me another job. I'm trying to live the way you want me to live, but I need another job. And you complain about that, and you moan about that, and you think, I'm having faith, I'm trusting Jesus to give me another job. And Jesus is trying to say, you're not looking at what I've told you to do on the job. You see, guys, and you, and so instead of complaining, you go look at First Peter, where he tells slaves who are being beaten for doing nothing wrong, he says, it gives God glory when you bear up under an unjust suffering because you're conscious of, 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 of the king. What's that mean? You don't fight back. It means you take it. It means you accept it and you, and you understand that you're serving a greater king. And you have a good attitude when you're treated wrong. So you go to work with a smile on your face, and when you're insulted, you're reminded, instead of, oh, poor, beautiful me, you're reminded, this ain't near what happened to Jesus. That's one way. It may be that you have some issues in your marriage. My wife and I, we have come, we have come up with a saying. If they're married, they're struggling. Years ago, she said, I heard they're struggling in their marriage. Oh, yeah, they're married. There's no other place, in my opinion, that your will gets tested and you have to yield your will. And it may be, guys, that you're a husband and you're saying, you know, my wife doesn't treat me the way I want her to be treated and I've got this list of how she doesn't do. She doesn't, do, doesn't keep the house the way I want. She doesn't handle money the way I want. She doesn't uh, meet my sexual needs. Uh... And on and on it goes. And, you know, God, I've even, Jesus, I've even got a, I've, I've even got scripture for some of this. Okay? And I just, I just can't go, I don't know if I can go on. And you say, well, you know, and your will is to make her be what you want her to be. You know what Jesus' will is? 
Jesus' will, he's told us, okay? In this particular setting I've just described, he has told us what his will is. His will is for you to be like him. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, that husbands are to love their wife the way Christ loved the church and gave herself up for him, to present her as a perfect bride. But you don't understand, how can I love her when she's not meeting my needs, God? And you know what his answer is? He tells you in Ephesians, the way I love you when you're not meeting my needs, Gary. You see, you got your list. Jesus has got a list on you too. And if you happen to be having this conversation with Jesus, you know what he's going to say? And I just added a new one, and that is your attitude towards my list. He says, he says listen, husbands, i got a list on you, and I've forgiven it. And I've enabled you to come boldly into my Father's presence, confidently and expectantly, because I've forgiven you. Can you put a smile on your face when you go home tonight? Can you greet your wife with joy? Instead of looking at that stupid list of yours? That's what he would say. Well, guys, what do you do consciously? See, guys, let me look at this. Let me, let me look at this passage here in James chapter 3. And I, guys, I chose this passage because I believe it is so, so clear about yielding your will to Jesus's and, and, and you're recognizing it. James 3 and James chapter 4. Go back and read those if you want to be really challenged. You just look at it. But he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Guys, I chose that passage on purpose because it so clearly to me draws the contrast between the will of the king and the will of a man. And I guess guys, sometimes we just don't draw it. We just think, well, I have a different opinion. I think things a little different. Well, I've been hurt. I'm not really bitter. I'm just having a hard time forgiving. Okay, and well, if I don't think of me, well, who else is going to think? I think Jesus wants me to be happy. And what he says is, guys, don't deny yourself his ambition. And he, what he's, he, he makes it very clear. He goes, this isn't just a matter of weak, sinful man. This is a matter of being earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. That's pretty harsh. But you need to understand that that's the way my will tends to be. My will tends to be earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And so I've got to decide, am I going to yield my will to the kings? And look at what he has to say about it. 
And I guarantee you, he has something to say about it. We just went through the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And guys, I encourage you, if you do nothing else this year, to read those over and over and over again. Because I believe it's just foundational. You want to know the will of the Father, you want to know the will of the King, you go read those. And He tells you what to do. And I just want, guys, one of the challenges, I I know I need to move on for time, one other thing, if you've got something in your life right now that won't go away, okay, maybe it's financial circumstances, maybe it's a job circumstance, maybe it's trouble in your marriage, okay, maybe it's a problem with somebody that's hurt you, or you believe has hurt you, something along those, those lines, can I, I beg you to ask Jesus, if you're really following His will. If you're really yielding your will to the will of the King. You see, guys, because He's King of Kings. I'm going to talk about this in a minute. Not to pound you into submission. He's King of Kings for your good. And the question is, are you going to trust Him with that? And if you have something that won't go away, I just, I just I want to beg you to consider something that your will is opposed to the king's will. And that's why it won't go away. Let's move on. One last thing, one last question. And we'll be done. Am I encouraged to have Jesus as my king? Am I encouraged? Am I excited? Am I happy? Am I joyful to have Jesus as my king? You see, guys, just like I was just telling you, and I've told you earlier, Jesus is a king that's out for your good. And there's a whole lot more involved in that than I have time to talk about right now. But the question is, do you trust him enough to yield your will to his? Because he's out for your good. I encourage you to go read Hebrews chapter 12. I have a little bit of it in your notes just for time's sake, we're going to go on past it. But he, in wrong around verse 4, I believe it is, in Hebrews chapter 12, he says, And you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. And he goes on to talk about enduring hardship as discipline because God is treating you as a son. And then he gets down here to verse 10. We'll go ahead and look at it. And he says, But God disciplines us for our good. You know, when I just talked about you may have something that's not going away, I just want to tell you, it's because Jesus loves you too much to let it go away. He loves you too much to let you go on refusing to yield your will to His. Because that is bad for you. What's good for you is to yield to Him and to taste it. To see what it's all about. Guys, I've got something won't go, that keeps popping up in my life. I told you a little bit about it last summer where uh, a lady claimed our car wash damaged her car and it was just, just a mess. And Jesus reminded me of don't resist an evil person. Don't resist an evil person. Well, I've had three situations recently where customers have approached me wanting money for me. Something that the business has done that's a problem. And I tell you guys, I, 
one of them was on Thanksgiving, around Thanksgiving. The people text messaged me on Thanksgiving Day. And I was just tormented by this because I just wanted to fight them. I just wanted to go what was what was right. And you understand money's involved, right? Okay, so you just want to go at them toe for toe. And you just want, Jesus doesn't tell me to do that. Jesus tells me if somebody's taking me to court, take my coat, I should give them my cloak also. And these people aren't evil. I don't think they're evil. But I think they're wrong. And I, it bothers me. I talked with one, one of the situations with Jim, uh, Jim Shrimp, last Sunday, because Jim's an attorney, okay? And it involves an insurance company. And Jim, how do I handle this? And then I had another one shop up this week. And the guy, guy called me on a job I did two and a half years ago at a body shop. I quit doing business with the guy two years ago because I just don't like doing business with the guy. I lost money on the job to begin with, and now he's got this weird situation that he wants me to help him out of. He wants me to split the cost of a glass with him. I wasn't tormented like I was around Thanksgiving, but I was bothered. And so yesterday, I, I called him, or I was, I was preparing my lesson, and I, I was praying, Jesus, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. And before long, he said, Gary, I want you to pay for half that glass. And now let me explain something to you. Back in the situation around Thanksgiving, I bought the guy some parts, and I dropped them off in his house, and I was communicating to him. And I didn't say nothing to him. I mean, I was not a happy camper. He text messaged me and gave me the, said, I got the parts. And I thought, good. I didn't tell him thanks for telling me. I was just glad to be done with him. Yesterday... I called this guy up and I said, hey, John, I would be happy. I wasn't faking it. I would be happy to split the cost of that glass with you. And then we went on and I don't really like talking to the guy. But I went on and talked to him for 15 minutes and it wasn't a burden. I wasn't annoyed. I didn't tell my wife how bad a guy he was. Guys, which do you think I felt better about? The guy around Thanksgiving where I did the right thing but had a bad attitude, or the guy yesterday? Which is better for me? I can tell you which is better for me, and that's yielding my will to King Jesus. And guys, I just want to, I just want to encourage you, challenge you as we close out here today. Guys, what's going on with you? And guys, I, 2015 has just begun. We are going to stay focused on the King of Kings all year. Like we shouldn't be doing that all the time. But guys, let me encourage you to really check yourself out. To really ask yourself these questions. Especially, as I said, if there's something that won't go away. That you're continually tormented by. Ask the King what His will is. And make a commitment that you're going to yield your will to His. Let's go to our Father in prayer, shall we? Father, You are the King of kings. And Father, I know I speak of You in Jesus. Uh, I interchange You. Father, I don't know how to accurately describe which one, but Father, You're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. 
And Father, you're a king like no other that loves me in ways I can't imagine and wants the best for me. And Father, is concerned about things that honestly I can't even comprehend. You talk about, I'm only now beginning how, beginning to learn how the character you're trying to develop in me will benefit me into the next life. Father, I don't understand it completely, but I trust you. Father, I want Greater Alton to be a group of people that that can be said about us as a group that has a deep desire to yield our will to the kings. That has a deep trust that the king is out for our good. And that, Father, that's what we constantly point each other at. And that our, our, our verbiage, our words reflect that. Father, I don't know how to make that happen. I know that's going to take decisions by individuals. Father, I ask you to touch hearts. Father, to touch our hearts individually. Let us know where we are. Father, if, is there someone here and there to go, look, I declared Jesus as king, but I'm not living that way. Father, help them to know your forgiveness and your love and to commit to getting on track. Father, maybe somebody in this room says, I don't, I, I've never done that. Father, place on them a desire to want to know more about what's involved. Father, it may be that people here are going, boy, in general I am, but there's something that's something in front of me that I don't, I don't think I'm yielding to Jesus. Father, encourage them. Encourage them to know that yielding to Jesus is what's the best for them. Father, we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.